0: I'm just really happy to see that Sulu is getting side quests again because, you know, he's just not been used as a party member for a while. And they've got a guest
1: party member this time as well. Yeah, I think that's nice, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, it's the typical thing where, like, at the end of the first disc he dies, but, you know.
1: Yeah, that's something that we haven't seen, I think, probably since maybe the first season of Star Trek, where you had these random blue shirt uh, scientists yeah. who, who are just there basically as a plot device and then die or disappear at the end of the episode.
0: Yeah, it's one of those, they're like, well, he's there for the geology, and then he gets killed, and then he can't tell them anything. So, you know.
1: Yeah, and, it's, and like you said, it's nice to see Sulu get stuff to do. Yeah,
0: he doesn't do much because, you know, what is there to do in this episode?
1: Yeah, I just we have to come right out and say it. Um, This is terrible. Like that which survives is is one of the worst episodes of the show that I have ever seen. Uh, It's it's way too long. Uh, It 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 has I think almost literally no plot. Um, The ending is about as nonsensical (laughs) and at the same time Deus ex Machina as anything in the show. Uh, the, the, the costuming is perhaps not as ridiculous as some other things that we've seen. I'm thinking of a of Troyus, but it's, it's up there and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think that was a fairly comprehensive list of what's wrong with this episode.
0: Well, let me ask who wrote this. I don't know. Because.
1: Number one, who it, I've, it wasn't someone familiar. that, yeah,
0: because Spock especially is written a little differently than here. He's a little more slightly literal. Like there's a couple of don't call me Shirley type jokes like, uh, you know, when, when they have when, you know, they're sent through time and, you know, or in space or whatever. And, you know, Spock says, oh, you know, I have no permanent damage, you know. And the curse in Kirstie alley is all you know. What well, what is it? And he goes, "Well, I just hit my head on the thing." And it's like, no, no, no. What's the, what was the tremor? Like, there was a few lines like that that I'm like, okay, I could see what they were doing with him, but he, the, the writer and the direction, especially, was just not. It 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 should have been a broad comedy episode.
1: It wasn't up to the task. basically. Yeah, it,
0: it, it, if they had, they didn't want to make it funny. But they didn't make it interesting. So if they'd gone just stupid comedy, it would have been fine. I think that could have actually been a great episode. It wouldn't have needed to make sense because you just have, you know, everybody menaced by this crazy lady. And, you know, Spock is just on the ship, you know, trying to, you know, get them back together and just all, you know, like you, if they'd gone that direction with it, I think it could have been a better episode.
1: Okay, so you're saying that which survives uh, should have been... A comedy episode on the level of maybe I Mud yeah. or The Trouble with Tribbles or something like that. Okay, maybe. Uh, I don't think that the show was competent enough to pull off comedy at this point. That's, because that's the problem. It, it was. It was more adept at pulling off unintentional comedy, like Spock's brain. Well, yeah. And I think you know, it, it, my 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 main issue with this episode is that it. You know, we we've talked about episodes that don't really seem to have any plot. This one, I don't think, ha- like it doesn't. It has no plot. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a collection of random shit that happens for fifty minutes, and then the very end of it is just okay. Well, it's over. I mean, it makes it makes no sense. And they beam down to this 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 planet. Uh, uh Kirk, McCoy, Sulu, and uh, random blue shirt geologist. And at the same time the enterprise gets thrown a thousand light years away which and is has the
0: plot of Voyager right uh
1: kind of like that yeah ah. it's much much more light years than a thousand but yes uh it gets basically Voyager gets thrown halfway across the galaxy, and I think maybe talking about the meta plot of Star Trek Voyager would be more interesting than talking about that which survives <laughs>
0: uh
1: <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, and so and then the very end, of, you know, so, so Kirk, McCoy and Sulu just sort of wander around this planet for a few hours. And it's very grim because they don't really talk about this ever when they get stranded on a planet. But Kirk makes oh, yeah. a point of mentioning several times that there's no food or water and they're going to die.
0: Like, it's it's literally the first thing he says when they realize the Enterprise is there. Like, he says, "All yeah. like, right, we need food. We need water. We need to worry about survival because, yeah, they don't know how long it is going to take for the enterprise to get back, if it like for a while, they think it's even been destroyed. You know, they they genuinely don't know.
1: Which which makes me think that maybe standard equipment for for a landing party well, should be you know a power bar or something because that would be a useful thing to have.
0: You know, maybe I mean, you can't have a portable food replicator.
1: Well, they didn't have replicators.
0: I thought they did.
1: No, not in the original series.
0: When do they get replicators?
1: Star Trek the Next Generation.
0: Alright. Well, why doesn't Star Trek the Next Generation bring replicators? I don't know. Well, we should ask them when we Star get Trek to it. the Next
1: Generation has much more adept script writers. And so they don't have oh. episodes like this that center on nothing happening for fifty minutes. Uh yeah, and so i thought that I had never seen this episode before. And and so I thought that maybe this was actually going to be a decent episode. That's it. I liked the, the beginning. The setup was great. Um, they, they're like, oh, this planet is mysterious. We don't know what's going on. We're going to beam down. I was like, oh, great. They're getting a landing party together. They're bringing in geologists. Like, this is going to be interesting. Maybe something is going on down there. Yeah. You right. know, who knows?
0: Right before they go, this woman appears. Well, that's yeah.
1: the moment when the episode fell apart for me. Well, that's because. It- when she appeared in that goofy third season sound effect that they overused uh, way too much, and I said, oh, okay, this is the kind of episode that I'm in for now.
0: Yeah, well, again, every single episode, for the most part, has had the woman, and that's been the episode. Um,
1: yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, like,
0: this is a very—nearly every episode this season has focused on a woman as the catalyst for the plot.
1: Yeah, that actually is true. I mean, they we really haven't seen too many male guest stars that have been drivers of plot in the third season, which is which is strange.
0: Yeah, I mean the the, uh, the Mark of Gideon had a male antagonist, but still it was focusing on the daughter as the you know, agent of the plot, that's
1: But I think that does I think that goes with the general feel of the third season as you know, like tits and fights. Well, yeah, I, and and that that was kind of what they were going for, and so I, I guess I'm not yeah. I'm not so surprised at that.
0: And in every, in nearly every case, the it, it, it's kind of the thing where the tension between Kirk and the villainess is, you know, a driver of the plot. She's always going to fall in love with him, and then you know. And that 's going to tempt him possibly, which doesn't meaning, happen
1: in yeah. this episode no, no, but... that
0: this is one of the few who where it doesn't only because, as you find out she 's a hologram right, I liked her as you know I, I i i the costuming aside i i don't
1: know well, I think part of the problem with uh, the episode no. i mean even the even the episode as constructed, where you have this mysterious woman appearing on the enterprise and uh, uh, they're actually. I mean, I will say that the the scene where the Enterprise is speeding up and speeding up and speeding up, yeah. and Scotty is in the the Jeffries tube trying to fix the problem with some sort of weird technobabble explanation that, that doesn't was, make any sense. Yeah,
0: yeah that that bothered me just the, because the entire climax was just technobabble, well, technobabble. How about technobabble?
1: Yeah, and it definitely well. was in there as sort of like padding to get the episode's running time a little bit up. Um, but at least I thought it was an effective scene and. That at least was something that was a little bit dramatically interesting. Um, Scotty but I think-
0: doing wet, you know scotty's you know what's his name james Dewan's existence is a lot of that scene
1: yeah absolutely so i i think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that we have affection for these characters and in general i think a lot of the third season relies on the affection that you have for these characters from the past two seasons
0: i love that whenever you see kirk you know sacrificing himself it's always very badass and whenever spock does it he does it very calmly and like no this is what needs to be done. And when Scotty's doing it, he's just pissed off and annoyed about it. Like,
1: yeah. oh god
0: damn it. Like he's not complaining exactly. He's going, you know, to his possible death willingly, but it's just like, God damn it, really? Yeah. Alright, okay, today oh, I'm just gonna kill you know, I'm I'm gonna fix it, because none of you can fix it.
1: And I did appreciate the fact that in the countdown to the Enterprise blowing up, nobody was freaking out and everybody was just doing their job and saying, oh, well, you know, if we're going to die, I'm just going to sit here and do my job, which I appreciated.
0: Which when we saw them came counting down to possibly the last the other the other week, we saw one of those and similar reaction, even though that was definitely Kirk bluffing. Yeah, there was still a well shit. But this is our job.
1: This is our job. And we have to sit here and take it. And I did like the uh, uh, the woman who uh, was at the con in, in place of Sulu this episode. We had never seen her before. She was kind of cool. Like, I think that she was supposed to be a Hindu, which I thought was neat. it um, just, you know, goes... I mean, you know, even in the third season of Star Trek, they tried to get the, uh, you know, racial and ethnic uh, and, okay. and religious sensibilities of the show still trying to go through there, which I thought that was great. And she was a nice little character. I don't think we ever see her again. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, you know but but the real fault of the episode and we're sort of dancing around it is the antagonist woman because as constructed, you know, I thought this episode was going to be different when it first started, but as constructed with a woman who was appearing on the enterprise and on the planet to to you know antagonize and, and kill people. That that okay, that you know, it's not the greatest setup in the world, yeah. but it it could be interesting. But she's such a non-entity as a character, and I know that it makes sense diegetically because she's supposed to be a representation of a woman who died centuries ago and is run by a computer. Okay, fine.
0: Yeah, but how many AIs with personalities have we seen in fiction? That's
1: exactly what I was—not even in fiction, in Star Trek. In the
0: show, one of the things that they—and one of the things that they say is that— You know, it must have taken her personality so well that she has regret about it, which is a very interesting concept. Like, yes, somebody who was, you know, no matter who you were, if you're just, you know, killing people based, you know, as defenses, you are probably going to have some complicated feelings about that. And that the AI would pick up on that is a very interesting concept that they just doesn't really go into play very much. It's...
1: It, it's revealed at the very end of the episode, and it sort of comes out of nowhere and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it also doesn't make any sense that the computer would have to construct, you know, different models or whatever of the character to kill each person. You know, I, I it, didn't it, understand it,
0: that. That was... Ex- The way it was, I guess, explained, and I know this is as bullshit, but this was one of the few things that I didn't have a problem with. Since it attacks on a genetic level, they need to make essentially a different – it seemed like a – I don't know. Each weapon – consider them different iterations of a weapon, and each one is distinctly tied to a specific person's DNA. Okay. That was kind of the way it was explained. Stupid. I know, and doesn't really go anywhere. But again, one of those things with that could have been very interesting.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, the, the, the left turns that the episode makes a lot of it could have been interesting, but it just sort of, you know, the the episode had choices to go either in an interesting direction or a non-interesting one. And each time the episode chose the non-interesting direction. I'm not sure why, but there we are.
0: What I find what I found the most interesting thing about it was the final lines of the episode where you have so they have this you know they're talking about the the actual woman who you know was living on this planet and who this weapon was based off of. So, you know, immediately McCoy says, "Oh, she's beautiful," you know, and you know, Spock says so, and, and I'm thinking like, okay, good. You know, 1969, fine. Spock immediately says, no. You know, beauty is transitory. You know, she was very intelligent. You know, and the implication is, yes. You know, her work has lived on. They're finding that they're, fi- you know, based on the message that she had left. You know, Spock sees her as, you know, he sees who she. He, he gets a glimpse of who she was as a person, and he respects that. And you think, okay. That's actually a nice message to end the episode on, like no ma- and then Kirk says, "No Spock, I don't agree with you. Beauty lasts, and he points to the holographic image of the woman who is now centuries dead yeah and that and that that that's that, that that's the problem with season three that, Star Trek.
1: that was that would I don't think it would have been any worse if the episode had not ended with Kirk letting out a big wet fart right that was pretty much that what was, he did, yeah. And that was not very good. Uh. You know, and yeah, at the end of the episode, we should talk about because, of course, suddenly there's a door there, which wasn't there before on the planet, which, all right, why not? Uh, I mean, that's kind of how you just have to go with this episode. You just kind of have to sit back and go, why not? Because if you try and make sense of it or get angry that it doesn't make any sense you're never going to make it through the episode you
0: know it's like how the national novel writing month kiddies are all like well put ninjas if they so if you're at stuck at a point and all these you know kids put in ninjas in their stories well it's stupid but that's essentially what season 3 has been like all right we need to get them to the next scene all right there's a door, you know, a robot lady attacks, you know? Yeah, yeah. Flash the light, zoom in and out, do something. Maybe they won't notice, you know, let's attack them with tinsel, you know, and it's that's been the, se- the tricks.
1: And, I mean, at least they do try and give some explanation for why they would decide to go in there because I didn't think it was a great idea for them to do that. And And Kirk does say something about, well, there's no food up here, so maybe there's food down there, which doesn't seem like the greatest leap of logic to me, but I'll buy it. And of course, he goes down. Down there, there is no food, and then they're attacked by three women who they can't protect themselves against anymore because they were playing keep away earlier. Yeah, they were literally playing keep away, (laughs) Uh, and you know, and so my 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 reaction to that was, well, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to come down here, was it, Kirk?
0: It's just like when you're in a video game and you're on, you know, in the level, and it obviously wants you to go into the dungeon. And they're just like, you're wandering around, and the game's not going to progress till you go into the dungeon. He just knew it was where the golden arrow was pointing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I do I, – I think that there was one thing where they would they could have dro- – they did drop the ball. I mean, they dropped the ball a lot. I was going to say, one thing. Oh uh, because the the, the 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 tense scene in the enterprise where it was speeding up and speeding up and speeding up mm-hmm. um, the very end of the episode the three projections are really close to McCoy Sulo and Spock and they're or, I'm sorry Kirk and they're about to kill them and then suddenly at the very opportune moment Spock beams down with a security guard Kirk says no destroy the computer and the, the, the floating yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, white cube uh, gets destroyed in phaser fire and everything is fine Um I would have liked a a line in the episode from Spock or someone else saying, you know, isn't it ironic that, you know, the very way that the the computer was trying to destroy the Enterprise by speeding it up allowed us to get here at just the right moment to save the lives of the crew Uh, or something. You know, like that would have been something at least to to throw in there, Um, which would have gotten rid, of course, of the big wet fart at the end of the episode, probably.
0: They would all jump forward, fist-pumping into the air, and it would freeze frame. We'd get, you know, an inspirational song. Sometimes you've got to shoot the computer. Yeah!
1: That, yeah. Maybe if it was made in the 80s. Okay. I think Uh, we would have gotten that. We're talking about sort of the Charlie's Angels sort of I was going to say, isn't
0: that where, wasn't Next Generation made in the 80s? Is that how they do it?
1: No, not at all, actually. (laughs) But we'll get to that at some point. Um... There's a there's a few things that I that I do appreciate continuity wise in the episode. Uh Doctor Mabutu makes an appearance who uh the black doctor who was in uh sick bay because McCoy is down on the planet, and he actually was in the episode where Spock got I, I forget exactly what episode it was. Oh but
0: wait, where we like he has to like nurse you know, Chapel has to like hit him or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. He has that disease and Doctor and Mabutu is there as a as a Vulcan specialist, so he makes a reappearance, oh, which yeah, I think yeah. is cool. Uh you know, why not? Okay. I also like the fact that the geologist um does say something, or maybe it's Sulu who says it, uh, about the uh the, the planet being alive because of Janus six and the, the silicon based life form, and Janus Six was the mining planet from Devil in the Dark. Ah so, at least the people who were writing episodes were paying at least cursory no, attention I, to Star Trek.
0: I got the sense this is an episode written by someone who was a total Spock fanboy and who loved the series, but was just not a great writer.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, it has these little touches, which are interesting, but. Well, I, I, I thought... mean there was this. In the sickbay, there's like this. An ana- I loved this thing. It was an anatomical drawing of what looked like a spider looking alien it was just really cool little detail like there were a lot of things like that in this episode
1: yeah and i also i also thought that you would have brought this up but i'm surprised you didn't well so i bring don't bring up.
0: everything up you know
1: at the very beginning of the episode where where sulu makes a, a joke about something and and kirk makes that crack at Chekhov's expense where he's like if i wanted a russian history yeah. lesson i would have brought in some checkoff
0: yeah and they all give a look like oh thank god you didn't
1: yeah, he wasn't even in this episode, well, was he?
0: Yes, 10 tribbles.
1: <laughs> uh well, yeah, I guess that's about all we can say about that which survives. It's is there not, is there anything else? It's not really 10
0: tribbles. Yeah, I know. What what do you give it? 5 tribbles.
1: Really? Well, cuz of no check Yeah. I, and this is like a negative i didn't like negative 10. I really don't like this episode. I think it's horrible. And that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to The Lights of Zatar. So about halfway through The Lights of Zatar, I had a revelation about this episode and about the third season of Star Trek in general. I'm ready. A lot of the episodes that we've seen so far have been mystery episodes. And I think the reason for that is the show's budget allowed for that sort of storytelling more than anything else. And the failing of the third season... and of the lights of Zatar as well is that you can't have every episode of your space adventure show be a mystery because it's hard to write 20 plus classic mysteries a week. And the lights of Zatar is another example of that.
0: Yeah. The thing is, it's another episode where I'm mostly up with it, except the nature of the alien that's attacking them is, number one, through the whole episode, it's a bunch of Christmas
1: lights. Right. That's,
0: we've seen—what was the other one? There was another one with, where a bunch of tinsel attacked the ship. Like Yeah,
1: there was—I think it was Day of the Dove, maybe.
0: Probably. Yeah. Um but yes yeah, so as an antagonist it's not an interesting thing it's i mean they they even describe it as a storm for a while
1: i i wish that they would have revealed that the citarians were inhabiting the body of lieutenant Romain earlier because i feel like if you had had conversations with them earlier in the episode that would have been more interesting than what we got which was a lot of running around the ship beaming down to memory alpha seeing dead bodies and sort of freaking out. Um, yeah. You know, and so you kind of – and they repeated that a couple of times.
0: See, there was – a lot of it is the – this is another I, – I know I've said this a couple of times. There are episodes of Babylon 5 which kind of take concepts from episodes like this and just take them on a very interesting next step. Now, part of that is just because these are stock sci-fi plots sure. There is if you remember the episode of Babylon Five with the body snatching aliens, yeah, now, and that one where it turns out yes, they are a dying alien race, but they are actually finding people who voluntarily want to join this because and the people they find are you know people who otherwise have no place in society, and you know a- and this is giving them the opportunity to be part of something larger, and I mean it that's one of my favorite that's one of the first real great episodes of that series, sure. I would say, um. And here it's just their body-snatching al- evil aliens because they're body-snatching evil aliens. So through no fault of the show's own, I've seen more interesting takes on that. That was a lot of the problem. Yeah, they and- have no personality as villains.
1: And I will say that there there's definitely a difference between you know because I think some of your criticism of of the first and second season episodes um, a couple times was that you know you had seen this stuff before and. You know, in, in the first and second season, I think this stuff was done well. And so yeah, even, even if you, the idea wasn't new, the execution was interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, again— Whereas with, with this episode in particular, the idea isn't new and the execution is lacking as well.
0: I mean, the one where we had the energy beings possessing, you know, Spock and Kirk and—what's her name? And, you know, when they— Return and, to Tomorrow? Was that the one where Spock was the evil? Yeah. Yeah. We um,
1: where the three, they beam down to yeah. the to the the, the planet with, with the, the three receptacles and yes yeah. So
0: yeah yeah um, see in that one well I still didn't love that one because energy beings the three energy beings, again, had distinct personalities. Sure,
1: sure. This oh. episode actually says that I think that there are supposed to be ten or a hundred deuterians. Yeah. And I I, 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 uh, I kind of got the sense that they were all sort of inhabiting her body because yeah, they're energy it's, beings. Again, it's a,
0: I got the sense it was a collective hive mind, and I'm, I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, and I even, I mean, I could even see a, a way that the episode could have made this interesting, because, you know, I, I dispute your notion a little bit that the episode is about evil body-snatching aliens just well. because they're evil body-snatching aliens. Aliens. the the i think the idea there was that the citarians were the 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 smartest or the strongest of their of their species who who found a way to become non-corporeal and left their planet before it was destroyed and so they didn't want to die uh and and maybe they had become a little crazy because of that i think yeah. again we had seen that before especially in return to tomorrow but you know it, it 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 at least was a little it had a little bit of a twist on it
0: well, again the thing in in return to tomorrow and also in the one with the ambassador in the box that
1: possesses Spock. Is there in truth no beauty?
0: Yes. Um in that one, um, you know, again, they have the the energy being is like the nicest guy, and even he has a bit of he is unable to resist the temptation of the flesh. Like this show is right, established right. that an energy being once, you know, energy beings want bodies in like a heroin addict desperate way and they will do anything to keep them it's just a it's an immutable law that that is what will happen so you know the show does definitely acknowledge that there is a conflict that while they may be doing wrong things they are doing it for a reason almost akin to a sickness um and yet this episode doesn't really seem to acknowledge that. It, yeah. This it, is, the episode treats them as evil aliens. It doesn't really.
1: I don't know if it treats them as evil aliens. I think it more doesn't treat them as anything. It doesn't they're, really. Yeah. They're just sort of a cipher plot device, which That's, is a problem. Uh, um, I will say that I like the character of Romaine as far as it goes, yes. as far as she goes. Uh, You know, I I don't know. You seem like you have something to say about her. I liked her
0: a lot. I mean, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, whether or not somebody is Starfleet material. This is explicitly said to be her first mission. Right. You know, any – but it's very clear in the episode that any either mistakes or, you know, not her being 100% is due to that inexperience. The show shows her as, I mean, they basically say at the end, like, look, you need to be possessed. You need to go through this very painful thing. Like, you know, and she's like, look, I need to do, you know, whatever it is. Like, you can very clearly see she doesn't want to do this, but she's in Starfleet now. You know, she does not have the opportunity. And every single person on the, you know, that interacts with her just respects her, which is a very different the very beginning of the episode, there was a very weird line, and I thought it was going to go in this direction. Um, they're talking about Scotty spending his time with it, and, you know, Sulu and Chekhov are, you know, chatting. And Chekhov says, oh, I didn't know that Scotty was into brainy women. And Sulu says, oh, I don't think he's even noticed her brain. In the very previous scene, you see Scotty interacting with the woman, and he calls her the sanest, smartest, and nicest woman aboard the ship. Like, he's definitely... You know, and she says, like, oh, am I anything else? And he, like, kind of, like, coyly shies away from that, you know. It's very clear that, you know, he's enjoying the entire package. And, you know, his entire interactions with her, you can tell.
1: She's maybe enjoying his entire Well, package. yeah,
0: like, the, the the show makes no bones about it. They're a good match in all ways, you know. Yeah, she's yeah. a, she's geeky, he's geeky, you know. they They find each other attractive, you know, and they're enjoying that. And I have to say, the very end... They're talk you know, they're talking about what, you know, where she's gonna go next and you know, they're saying, well, does she really you know, and Kirk's like, does she really need to go back to the, you know, space station and rest? And you know, McCoy's like, no, I think she needs to work, you know. Obviously they're saying that because they, you know, want her and Scotty to be, you know, in proximity to each other. Yeah. But how many times have we seen them, you know, figure out, you know, Well, the woman character is going to quit her job and just stay home and wait for the starship, you know, guy to move. You know, no, they're pretty much like, all right, she's one of us now. It's okay. I thought that was a very nice place to end her at.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and you know it's interesting because I, 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 you know, I like I like I've said before, I have I've only ever seen about mm. half of the third season, so I'm not sure if we see her again. My my gut feeling is that we probably won't see her again, well, because that, long, yeah. that just fits the pattern of, of these sort of characters in Star Trek. But
0: I, I, I let I, me put I, it this way: I'm okay with not seeing her again if I don't see Scotty having other girlfriends.
1: Yeah, because
0: I can just assume well. She's doing another mission and we're not – we don't really see what these people do at night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, this might be a good time to interject a, a little piece of writing and casting trivia for this episode. No. So if you remember last week when we talked about The Mark of Gideon and I said that the writer – one of the writers of that episode was the guy who played Sereno Jones. Oh, no. He didn't write this episode. Oh, good. Uh,
0: I was going to say, I really don't see a single simi- similarity. <laughs> like, was this the best episode? No, but was this a damn sight better than Mark? Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, actually, uh, one of the co-writers on this episode was, of all people, Sherry Lewis of Lamb Chop fame. Really? Yeah. And she wanted to play Romaine, but they didn't cast I would cast have loved her.
0: that, and then she could have had Lamb
1: Chop. Yeah and uh she she explicitly she explicitly said that uh she wanted to give Scotty a love interest because Kirk always got the love interest yeah I, I thought that's that's nice. and I think like... and I, you know, but I honestly think that a lot of I bring this up because I think a lot of where the strengths of the remain character lie are in the fact that she is at least partially written by a woman no that makes sense she's
0: again she wants to be, th- you know, she enjoys that, you know, Scotty likes her. She likes him back. You know, they they are good. She definitely wants him to desire her physically, but at the same time, she's also, she's a professional. She this, has her job. She's doing it, yeah. and she will go through whatever sack. She's going to make the same sacrifices that everybody else because she's Starfleet now.
1: Romaine, Romaine, th- this episode is thankfully free of the the ridiculously costumed sex pot female yeah. character that is that has been so endemic in the third season yeah and I think a large part portion of that is just because we have a female writer I mean now that we have DC Fontana is now missing from the show uh, we I think we're feeling the lack of DC Fontana in this season definitely yeah she I think she wrote the Enterprise incident which again. Had a really interesting, strong it. female character.
0: Anytime DC, Fu- DC Fontana does very much have her female characters do... Several times I know they've explicitly said, said you know, I'm a woman. You know, the, the Romulan commander is wants Spock to look at her as a woman and specifically says that. But at the same time, they are able to... Recognize these different sides of them, and again, that I I really appreciate that. It feels like they're people. It's so, so much of a better characterization.
1: Yeah, and I just I think that says a lot about uh uh you know where where women were in in American society in the 1960s. If we can get very like meta about it for a minute, because you know the 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 uh, the people that were writing a lot a lot of the scripts in the third season were sort of these middle aged men, and middle aged yeah. in 1969 was you know. Born in the like 20s and 30s, and so
0: yeah, if you have a career, it's what going you're to doing have, until you get married,
1: right? They're going to have a very different conception and idea of what it means to be a working woman than uh, yeah. a younger woman or even a, a middle aged woman would have, and so especially, you,
0: yeah. And let me put it this way a woman, uh, even a middle aged woman who's a writer, is a woman with a career, she's gonna know what exactly her, you know, yeah, they at the end of the day, the in a way, the two-body problem is solved by well, they're both going to be working in the same office, essentially. You know, so they'll have their separate jobs, but they're living together. You know, will be would we'll be, we'll be you know this relationship is very practical. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: and I, I would say, I will say that part of the the whole costume idea is alighted. It's very clever making her. A Federation person because her costumes already been set for the past couple of years.
1: That's very true. You know,
0: she, yeah, she can't have a particularly revealing outfit because, you know, yes, you're always wearing, you know, a skirt and go-go boots, but you know, we're used to that by now.
1: Yeah. That's, that's just par for the course at this <laughs> point. So. that
0: That's tasteful compared to,
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, moving aside from that issue for, for a minute, I think, you know, if you look at the, the Zatarian ship and, you know, we, we've seen a lot of that kind of thing before. I think it's done effectively in this episode well enough. Um, yeah. you've got your standard chase sequence. You've got your standard overtaking the enterprise yeah. sequence. I mean, we've all seen it before. Yeah. It's not, it's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, it definitely brings the episode down a little bit, but what are you going to do?
0: Well, you know, whatever. Yeah. It was, th- it was something on TV.
1: I I I don't
0: think this was an in- Again, I think if the villain had been better, but it's still se- a season 3 episode no matter what. And in a lot of ways, you know, the villain isn't the point of this episode. The point is the Scotty and Remain uh, yeah. relationship, I mean, and you know at the at the end of the day it's nice to see Scotty happy i guess that's where i liked a lot of this episode because you know scotty scotty does. you know i i i like that scotty has a girlfriend now yeah, it just, just it's just it's when you see a buddy of yours starts dating somebody and he's dressing better and he's just feeling better about life like and you Scott say,
1: scotty is not uh, uh, asking for half a gallon of whiskey yeah, uh, that's we'll put, if, we'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, it's like this is a good thing, right? And he's making a positive change in his and life. And
1: I also like the fact that 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 Scotty will fight for her, but but that she doesn't necessarily need Scotty to fight for her, which I also yeah, like. Yeah, you know, yeah. Sh- I think the, epi- the, the this episode script is very adept at understanding, uh, you know, a, a, a woman character.
0: No, and they feel like a couple of equals.
1: Yeah, that's, absolutely.
0: It feels like they're they they're teaming up to figure the things out.
1: And I, you know, I do like the fact that, you know, Scotty uh, doesn't report the fact that she's seeing the future. And I like the little, you know, the, the episode has a couple of weird uh, uh, camera uh, angles and direction techniques where, you know, for example, they start at the, the top of the bridge and they kind of, be, yeah. you know, the, the camera zooms into the top of Kirk's head, which is a little strange. Um, and then also, uh, they have this technique where the camera goes right into her eye. Oh yeah. You see the sort of Zotarian uh, tinsel effect and then it sort of zooms out a little bit and you see the, the dead, um, the dead Tellarite yeah, on yeah. memory alpha. And then later on, I think this is, this is one of the more affecting parts of the episode and I think it's well done because it doesn't telegraph itself when they beam down to memory alpha and that same yeah. camera angle that it's the exact same shot. It's. It, I think it's a little bit shocking because you didn't, you know, when, as a viewer, you don't know where that's coming from. And when you see that and no one sort of is telegraphing yeah. it or telling you you're supposed to watch out for it, I think it works. I think it's effective. And the
0: sequence is when they have, like, they meet this woman on Memory Alpha who's, you know, possessed or whatever. And she's just making this horrifying croaking sound. Her face is contorting in these ways. They have this, like, it's a, this which is the same thing to, that happened to Romaine yeah, at the very
1: beginning of the episode.
0: That's. It, that was a very disturbing shot, and that was very well done. Like yeah. I liked that. It's also good to finally know what Memory Alpha is.
1: Yeah, I, w- I wish that they would have done more with Memory Alpha because I think it's an interesting concept, and it's you know it's obviously supposed to be sort of like the 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 space library yeah. of alexandria yeah, yeah, or something yeah. and in a lot of ways it's a it's an outdated idea because of course there's a there's a line where, where spock says that you know scientists and, and scholars and people from all over, all over the galaxy will will travel to memory alpha to do research and of course you know 40 years later we have the internet so, yeah so this would not even be a thing but you know we don't really get a sense of of how big it is or who's there and yeah that that is I think that's the one failing of the episode is we it it's it's a it's a very very intriguing idea and it's an interesting setup that isn't well used I think that's definitely fair and you know we we definitely could have seen them you know use the memory banks of memory alpha, and even at one point Spock says that it's likely that all of the information is lost and it's a it's a great tragedy to the galaxy but that sort of never really brought up yeah, again.
0: Yeah, I mean, if the, uh, I, it would have made sense if, you know, they heard the name Zatar and they went to Memory Alpha and looked it up and that's where they got the information from. That, I mean, that seemed like a perfect setup. You have a place with all the information in the galaxy. You find some inf- ancient information about this race. Okay, there you go.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, the other thing I like about the episode too is that the, the briefing room scene, which we haven't seen in a while— oh Um, yeah is well done i think because in in i think in a lesser episode it would have gone on way too long Mm. and in this one it's just sort of there they get what they need and then it's over and it's it's i don't know this episode is very briskly paced which i like because you don't see a lot of that in the third season and overall it just kind of i think works well
0: and I, i like what remain is doing during that scene by the way when you know they're saying like all of these things that are hap- have happened to her that are really creepy, and just she has all of these weird looks on her face like as she's hearing it like you know between terror wanting to burst and tears, but also knowing she's at work yeah you know yeah. And, and one of those like you no know, and she also knows like uh well I, I I'm I'm not going to freak out because you know what's the point of that like I I all the way all of them are acting in that scene and you know then Scotty's immediately like I thought it was space sickness you know i like how he's how he even teases her a little bit about it like he's not you know acting like if if she is at ma- you know having space sickness like it's a big deal he's just like oh that's just space like you know stop being dumb whatever you know and you know that that's he he knows how to talk to her that's another thing like he's figured out yeah
1: the relationship feels like a real one yeah. which i like what What did you make of the end of the episode though, because I feel like that's maybe one of the failings of the episode um
0: they i i i mean they needed to establish better that like the i see I don't understand the na- I, I i didn't understand the nature of the ship versus they're in her body versus she's possessed is she going from far away? I didn't understand all of that, and I don't care,
1: and I don't think that the episode understood it yeah. either, which is a problem of course, but
0: again. At this point, I'm learning to accept that sometimes the solution is not going to be a real solution. Right. Sometimes it's just going to be, well, you know, the business of the episode is done, so, you know.
1: It needs to come to some sort of conclusion.
0: I'm fine with her needing to go into some kind of situation where her life could very much be in danger. At the very least, she is putting herself in a massive amount of pain, which will... Yeah, you know, I, and they're gambling on this. You know, she'll be able to take a little more pressure than the Cetarians are going to be able to. So, you know, it's going to bring her to the verge of death and kill them, and then they'll you know deeper. Like,
1: yeah, I got, I got, it, the, I got the sense that that the anti chamber was supposed to be like a, a futuristic version of like a bariatric chamber or something.
0: Yeah, like I again, it didn't really. I didn't really care. I don't feel like my opinion of the episode would have changed either way, whether I knew exactly why that would work or not. So as, as is a lot of the case, as a lot of the time, um, the, te- the, the the tension was elsewhere in that scene to me, I
1: guess. That's fair. That's fair. The other thing I like about the episode is is the very end um, where, you know, Kirk McCoy, again, it's like Kirk McCoy, McCoy, McCoy. Oh, my God. It's Kirk McCoy and Spock and Sick Bay and, and 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 McCoy and Spock are agreeing, which oh, is yeah. strange. And Kirk is kind of like, "What's going on?" I was and like, then, oh, that's the first. We're yeah, like, and then he, he talks to Scotty and he's agreeing, and they all agree that she can go back to work, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And Kirk says that nice little joke about, "Well, you know, the three of you are agreeing for the first time." <laughs> you know, I, I just thought that was a nice little yeah. nice little capper to the end of the episode.
0: Again, they've gone through something awful, but everybody's happy.
1: Yeah, it wraps up nicely, I think, and I I, I I like to see that. I mean, we've seen that so little in the third yeah. season where this is just a solid little episode of the show. It's nothing spectacular, but it's enjoyable, and it, it works, and I think there's a lot of nice little character beats, and yeah.
0: Yeah, seven tribbles,
1: Seven? Yeah. I'll give it like a six. Well. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's quite that good. Well. Well.
0: I like Sherry Lewis, so.
1: I kind of wish she had been in the episode now. Oh,
0: I really do. Yeah.
1: Little curly haired short woman running around. Oh, that would have been good. That was adorable. Maybe she didn't look good in the mini skirt though.
0: I mean, no, Shari Lewis was kind of banging. I kind of want to watch lamb chop now. <laughs> I kind of want to eat some lamb chops now.
1: Well, next week, A little mint jelly. We're not going to talk about mint jelly. What we are <laughs> going to talk about is Requiem for Methuselah and the way to Eden.